We've been looking at uh, the idea and the concept of the kingdom of God, and we've been seeing the, the, the good news of the kingdom in the, book of the, in the book of Matthew. This is in the midst of our series, our called out series, uh, and it's the, the portion of this series where we are seeing and focusing on uh, the aspect of what is it for us to be uh, kingdom-minded, for us to be thinking about the community around us, for us to not just uh, have a gospel for ourselves, uh, but one that might heal and restore uh, not just uh, God's people, but all of creation. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to be looking again at another aspect of the kingdom of God. And just remember that Jesus says this is the good news of the kingdom, not just the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, yes, most definitely for your salvation, but the good news of the kingdom, that the rule and the reign of God, uh, when everything comes under his lordship, things are made right. Things that are broken are restored. Things that have, have lost their way are uh, kind of re- restored to their rightful place. And so we're going to be looking at an interesting uh, familiar passage uh, in Matthew 11. And in Matthew 11, Jesus talks about having rest uh, for the weary, uh, but yet he speaks to it in terms of the kingdom. And uh, so why don't we uh, turn there now, if you would, uh, would you stand as we just express our submission to the word of God. He's speaking and we desire to hear from him. So Matthew 11, starting in verse 25 Uh, Jesus says this, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's pray. Uh, God, we come before you and we know that... uh, Many of us come in here burdened, Uh, we come in exhausted or frustrated or anxious, and God, uh, wow, we would love to find rest. Uh, But yet, God, uh, I pray that we would not pursue rest according to the wisdom of this world, maybe even what our eyes can see. Father, would you uh, reveal yourself to us? Would you reveal the good news of the gospel of the kingdom? the good news of your rule and your reign, uh, Father, that it's not self-evident to human wisdom. So would you make it known to us? Father, for those who have trusted in you for a long time, God, I pray that you would uh, bring us back to that place of trusting in you alone and not even into uh, our own wisdom. And God, I pray that you would restore and that you would do great things this morning through your word. Holy Spirit, come with power. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Don't you love uh, how easy life is these days? Uh, You know, with the arrival of smartphones and self-driving cars, 
uh, backup cameras. Our lives have just become so simple. Uh, you know, all these computers, they just do everything for us. And, you know, we can get to enjoy all the extra time and all the mental ener- extra mental energy that we have uh, now that everything is so simple because of all of these machines. That sounded great on the front end of technology, right? Uh, you know, we're going to make all this, and our life is just going to be on cruise control. Uh, no pun intended. And it is going to be just easy street, and things are going to be really simple now because everything can be done for us. That's not quite how it works. That's not where we live, is it? Even though things are easier to do than ever in certain facets, it's easier to do certain things. Our lives are much more complex, much more cluttered, much more convoluted. And, you know, this ease that had been promised to us just multiplied complexity and made nothing easier. Quite honestly, our lives are in more disarray now than you could probably say any time in human history. Yet, we're much smarter. We're much, we have much more understanding. We're much, uh, we have greater wisdom than any generation that's gone before us. Or at least that's how we think. And, and so in a society that promises ease and yet brings complexity and difficulty, we all walk in here and we are burdened. We are overwhelmed. We are ridden with anxiety. Uh, We are workaholics because we don't think we can stop because if we stop, things are going to fall apart. Many of us are struggling with depression and fear. We're overwhelmed. We're stressed. We need a vacation. And then just getting on vacation, you can need a vacation from trying to get on vacation. Where in the world do you turn? And the answer is nowhere in the world because everyone's carrying a burden and yet uh, every one of us seeks to uh, deal with that in some fashion or another. We're weary and what do we do? We yoke ourselves to something. We, we hitch ourselves to some way to deal with that burden, to deal with that anxiety, to deal with that stress. You know, we, we, we strive after and chase after all sorts of different things. What do we do with these burdens? And so, oops, I'm doing this just to spare Jeannie from trying to follow where I'm going to go. So, so we have burdens. Where do we go for rest? Where do we go for rest? How do we get there? How in the world can we get to rest in the midst of our burdens? Well, uh, the reality of this world says is that you've got burdens and you, you choose some way to deal with that. And just like we talked about with our kids this morning, most often our world chooses what we can see. Something right in front of us, some solution that seems to make sense, we choose it. We align ourselves with it. We put ourselves with it. Jesus uses a word yoke, which is to basically put two, uh, two oxen together. You put a, put a board or, or some kind of bar or, across both of them, and they walk together. And so we, we yoke ourselves to things, something that, okay, that makes sense. If I put myself, uh, if, you know what, I get a new hobby. I'm really burdened. I need a new hobby. If I have this new hobby, I can go check out. I can kind of just put all my cares on hold, and I'm just going to do my new hobby. And uh, or I'm going to get a new job, 
or I'm going to get our culture, I'm going to get a new spouse, I'm going to get a new partner, I'm going to get our whatever. We need something new and it's in front of us. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to change my circumstance so that I can deal with the burdens of my life. And when we do that, what do we end up with? We end up with a greater burden. When we choose the thing in the world that's right in front of us, what we can see, trying to solve our burdens and our anxieties, all we do is multiply our burdens. They don't end up uh, giving and delivering what we hoped they would deliver, when we, what we know they, or at least we think, they would deliver to us. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus is saying, and he's speaking to people who are burdened. He's speaking to people who are weary and heavy laden, anxious, uh, and running on empty. Where do we go? The world says, go get something in front of you. Put your Put your, your thinking cap on, and in your wisdom, go find a solution to your burden. Jesus says something very different. He actually offers a hidden path. He actually offers something that's not readily available to the human mind, to the ways of the world, to human wisdom. And he says, go and find uh, what the, uh, go and, and uh, follow what is hidden, follow what is secret, and in that you will find rest for your weariness. The world says go after what you can see, set your mind on it and go get it. But we all have experienced that. We all do it constantly. We end up with a greater burden. And yet we keep doing it. It's not like we have totally refined ourselves. And Jesus says there's another way. There is another way. And so what I want to do is that we would kind of hone in on that, um, that idea of the hidden path, that we would uh, see what is this hidden uh, good news of the kingdom? What would it be to focus on that? And so this passage uh, starts to unpack the idea of the hidden path uh, in that it is revealed to us, okay? So if if we can't find it by our own wisdom and our own thinking and our own mind, it must be given to us. And that is the good news of the kingdom. Jesus declared it, verse 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, another word uh, for thank you is I praise you. It's kind of like Jesus in, uh, in enjoying in, in, uh, his Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and, but yet revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. What's interesting is this idea of, of the hidden or the secret. That there's two like main contrasts in this passage. The first is the hidden versus the revealed. The second is the wise or the understanding versus little children. And we're going to look at both of those uh, in, in trying to understand how is this good news of the kingdom? How is this good news that God would reveal himself to us? Because what's interesting is there's different ways that we can end up at rejection of God. We can end up at rejection of Jesus. The one is, is the one we tend to think of. You know, I know you're talking about this, this God who is good, but uh, you know what? I want nothing to do with him, and uh, we push him away. Okay? That, that idea of pushing God away or rejection is really obvious. But there's another subtle rejection that's in the context of this passage. 
So I didn't read it, but in the passage immediately preceding in Matthew 11, starting in verse 20, Jesus is speaking, uh, and he speaks to uh, these cities uh, where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Okay, So verse 20, he's speaking to the cities who saw the most things that Jesus did. Okay? And these were cities in Israel, in, in the, uh, the, the people of God that knew him most. And he says this in verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! He goes down in verse 23, And you, Capernaum, in these cities, these small cities in the nation of Israel, Jesus, he taught, he taught the most and he did the most miracles Yet, what was their response? It says in verse 20, they did not repent. But here's what's really interesting. Their form of rejection was not pushing Jesus out. Their form of rejection was they enjoyed Jesus' teaching. They asked their friends to come listen to him. They saw what he did. They loved his miracles and the signs he was doing. They invited people to come and watch. Yet they never surrendered their life to him. They liked Jesus, but they never repented of trusting in themselves and turning to him. That's the scary version of rejection. Because, you're like, yeah, I like Jesus. Yeah, I even, I even think he's a good teacher. Yes, I, you know what? I, I, I come on Sunday. I enjoy that little pick-me-up on Sunday morning. You need to come yourself. But if you don't go from the place of liking Jesus to repenting, to turning from trusting in yourself to turning and trusting in him, you have not really embraced Jesus. You have not really embraced the good news. Both are rejection. One is pushing God away. The other is, is kind of liking him but never surrendering to him. Both are forms of rejection. And Jesus says that these things are hidden from the wise in the understanding. The ones who think they know better and the ones that think they have actually surrendered. These things are hidden from them and, and these things are revealed to little children. So hidden and, reve- and, and revealed, we're going to look at that. Um, look, flip with me, and we're going to do a Bible drill through the book of Matthew. Um, they're not on the screen. So uh, Matthew 13, verse 11. Okay? If you're saying, this seems really odd that the good news of the gospel, Jesus describes as hidden. That seems very odd, doesn't it? Okay, go to uh, chapter 13, verse 11. And he answered them. And basically, he was was being asked, why do you speak in parables? He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. What is he meaning? Is that there's there's... a hiddenness to the gospel. Why? Because it's veiled to human wisdom that people cannot see. And so if you understand what it is to know Jesus, to surrender to him and his kingdom rule, come and rule in your, your life, that has been given to you by God. 
because it bucks against everything our world says. Go a couple more pages to Matthew 16, uh, verse 17. Jesus is talking to Peter. So Matthew 16, verse 17 Somebody's got their audio Bible on. That's great. All right. uh, You can read if you want. Um, And and Jesus answered him. (laughs) Life is so much more, uh, much so much simpler and easier now that our phones will read the Bible to us. And anyway, uh, all right, cool. Um, If that hasn't happened to you, you're probably not studying your Bible anyway, right? Okay, so. All right, verse 17. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And what did he say? Is that Peter was saying, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, That has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. That hasn't come by worldly wisdom. The only way to have that is by God and God alone. Go um, a couple uh, books later in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when we start thinking of the idea of wisdom and, and God and it, it kind of pushing against worldly wisdom, th- this passage kind of sums it up and how that... So 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 26. So Jesus says, the, the secret things of the kingdom have been revealed... Uh, you, you only know these things because they, they've been revealed by the Father. 1 Corinthians 1.26, Paul says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And then he keeps going. So these things are are given to the weak. You're like, wait a second. Yes, that's the nature of what it is to come Uh, to know God, is that you must consider yourself weak and unable so that you might be made strong in Christ. It's been given to us, and then go to chapter 2 of that same book, so one more page, and look at verses 7 through 9. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages um, of our glory. Or for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That God is actually revealing to his people a good news that the world does not know. A good news that the world does not understand. And that is the good news for you and me. The good news is not that you have figured out how to be better. That you have figured out the better, the better way. The, the good news is that it has been given to you. God has let you know what the good news of the gospel is. 
is. And then you're sitting here, wait a second, what if I don't find it? What if he doesn't reveal it to me? Luke chapter 12, I love this. This is Jesus speaking to his, uh, to his disciples. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 he's answering the Pharisees with this. But in the, in the context of anxiety, so Luke 12, 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, fear not, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That sounds a lot like verse 26 of our passage, where it was, it was God's gracious will to reveal himself to you, that it is God's good and gracious will. Fear not, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to find it. He will give it to you, and he will reveal it if what? We're going to come and see that in a second. So it's hidden versus revealed, the wise versus the understanding. We've already done some of this, uh, and, and basically it's revealed to us, but not in our own wisdom. Not in our own wisdom do we find and understand the things of God. You can't know it on your own. The Son chooses to reveal it to whom? To little children, and actually the, the word literally is, is probably pushing more towards not even toddlers, but infants and babies. Okay? And in that day, and in, in, in really reality, you know, what can little children, infants, and babies do for themselves? They are dependent. They are, they, the, their very essence and very being is found uh, in being cared for. And that's the second time we've seen this idea of little children uh, showing up in the terms of the kingdom. Kingdom and Jesus' rule and reign pushes against the wisdom and understanding of men. Why? Is because we think we have it figured out. God is saying, no, come and just be under and, and relent and, and submit to me. The wise and the understanding say, I have a better way. But the wise can't see because just like Romans 1 would speak to, they have a veil over their eyes and they can't see and understand. That Jesus reveals himself to the, to the little children rather than to the wise in the understanding. For the sake of time, we'll keep moving. Because what's interesting then in the hidden path is God's kingdom rule is what shows up. Jesus is thanking God for revealing himself. And how does he refer to uh, his father? He says, I thank you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise understanding and revealed them to little children. Look at verse 27. This is an amazing claim of Jesus. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What is Jesus saying with that claim? Not about us, but about him. What is he claiming? No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. He is putting himself, and he is equating himself to God the Father. 
that no one knows the Father except the Son. No one understands fully who God is except Jesus. And no one understands who Jesus is fully except God the Father. That they uh, are in relationship that he is saying he is God in the flesh. And so who Jesus reveals that to are the ones who understand the good news of the kingdom. And that it's not just that, G- that God is the Lord of heaven. But he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the kingdom ruler that is coming and making all things new. He is the kingdom ruler who is is setting things right again. And all of this has been given to the Son. And so if you want understanding, if you want knowledge, if you want to come to realize the good news of the kingdom, you have to know Jesus because he is the only one that knows the Father fully question is, do you know him? Because Jesus says, not just, uh, not just the, uh, a hidden path of, of having the rule and the reign of Jesus, or, or of God, but that there really is a sense where what is the path that we walk is verse 28, come to me. It's less about go do these ten steps and you will find rest. It is come and pursue the one that seems to be hidden from worldly wisdom, that pushes against worldly understanding. Come to him and you will find rest for your souls. But what's the promise? Did you see the promise in there? Come all you who are weary, labored, and heavy laden. Okay, All those different translations that I'm mixing up all together. Okay? Uh, and he says, I will give you rest. But how? Verse 29. How does Jesus bring rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so rather than yoking yourself or putting yourself or aligning yourself with things that we can see in this world, the things that are going to soothe and, and, and kind of deal with our burdens and our anxieties, Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. Walk with me. Take on my yoke and my burden, he says later. He says, uh, he says for my yoke is easy in verse 30, but my burden and my burden is is light. It's not that you just walk away from burden entirely. You just take on the right one. You take on not the ones that that are kind of killing us from the situations of this world. It is really to take on uh, what what Jesus is calling us to, that we walk with him, uh, that he has an easy burden, but it is the right one for us that we need. And in that, what does Jesus promise? He says, you will find rest for your soul. You might say, you know what? There's other ways to find rest. There's different paths that we could walk and different things. The claim of Jesus is definitely one of exclusivity, and our culture doesn't like exclusive claims. And most people hear that as, well, that's really off-putting, that Jesus would say, you have to know me to know the Father, But let's flip it on the other way. If there was only one real way to a solution, and yet we want to be inclusive of other ideas, is that helpful at all? If knowing the Father and and being under his kingdom rule is the only way to true rest in this world, then Jesus is saying the only way there is through me. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Align yourself with me. Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yes, there's an exclusive claim, because there's an exclusive answer. And it is found in him alone. So all the divergent paths that we chase and end up failing us again and again and then create more and more burden. Jesus is saying, my kingdom rule and reign is what brings us back to the place that we've been created for. Him being king, him being Lord of heaven and earth, him being Lord of your life, him being the one that you come to when you are burdened and anxious, that's where you find rest. And every other yoke, every other path that you choose to align yourself with will just lose, lead to a greater, a greater and greater burden. The good news of the kingdom is that we have a king who loves to reveal himself to us. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. He lets himself be known to everyone but so much of the wisdom of the world says, you know what? That's garbage. I got my better way figured out. I've got my life together. I've got this thing figured out. And it's hidden and it's veiled. And Jesus is saying, it can't, you can know the good news, the good news of freedom, the good news of life, if you come to me. That may be for the first time today, or that may be uh, for another time that you've been walking with Jesus for decades, but you have not been coming to him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls in the midst of the chaos and the busyness and the burdens of this life. Let's pray. Uh, God, I ask that you would uh, take your, your word and sear it into our hearts. Father, thank you for the good news of the kingdom, your rule and your reign, uh, Jesus uh, that you would come in and that you would truly give us rest, that you would heal, that you would restore. Father, every one of us in this room is weary, burdened, labored, weighed down in some fashion or another. The question is, God, what are we doing with it? So, Father, would we uh, be ones that would bring it to you uh, even when our brain says there's a better way, that we would trust you, the Lord of heaven and earth, Father, that you would do amazing work in us because of your kingdom rule and your kingdom reign. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.